0: Cavs nation i'm your host ethan sands and this is another episode of the wine and gold talk podcast the Cavs are about to go on their second long road trip of the season thus far and i wanted to give the fans some insight into the life of a beat reporter and who better to do that than your favorite beat reporter chris fedor what up chris what's going on ethan how are you man Doing well. How was your flight in?
1: No issues. Left a little bit later than scheduled, but got here, was able to get into my hotel, get a little bit of dinner. I've had instances in the past with said airline that I will not name where the flight didn't even take off and I had to leave the next day. So the fact that I'm here tonight, I took a chance with the airline and I made
0: it and I'm happy about that. Love to hear it. I'm excited to give the fans an opportunity to get to know you and for me to learn more about the beat in my first year. So to preface this in passing, Chris has said that just like teams have games penciled in or circled on their calendars, some beat reporters have the same. Do you have any favorites, Chris? And is it because of the team matchups or the attractions of a certain city? I don't
1: care about the matchups. I mean let me rephrase. There are some that are going to have more appeal than others, right? When the Cavs play on the road in Boston, it's a different vibe than when the Cavs go on the road and play against the Detroit Pistons or the Charlotte Hornets. So some of that, yes, it matters. It raises the stakes a little bit. It gets me more excited for the coverage of the game. It really makes me think that, you know, the game matters, the outcome matters a little bit more. But for me, for the most part, it's about the cities where I go. It's about the restaurants that I get to eat at. It's about the hotels where I get to stay. So yeah, I mean, I think everybody that covers the NBA has certain cities that they look forward to going to because of everything involved with that city. Like, I think San Antonio, for example, is pretty underrated because I enjoy the Riverwalk. There's a speakeasy that I have found, like a hidden one. And I enjoy that nightlife part of it. Some cool things to do if you venture a little bit outside of San Antonio that I have found as well. I have some friends there. So those kinds of things play into how excited I am about the city where I'm visiting.
0: So, Chris, you've been covering the Cavs since 2014. Do you have a top three cities that you have been to or traveled to that you love going back to each year?
1: I think a lot of... Reporters are going to start obviously with the major ones. To me, I love New York. I love everything about it the pizza, the vibe, so much to do, so many things to see. It's not too wild or crazy for me. I always look forward to going to New York. So, whether it's them playing against the Knicks or playing against Brooklyn, that's always one of my top spots. Los Angeles is a no brainer. Because people from Cleveland get to go to LA. Usually it's in like January or sometimes it's in November. So you escape not so pleasant weather and you go to beautiful Los Angeles and that can be fantastic. Toronto is terrific, depending on the time of year that you go. You know, Toronto in January is a little bit different than Toronto in May for a playoff series or Toronto in October or something along those lines. But I think if you made me choose, God, it's so hard to because Miami, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do an A, B sort of thing. So for me, New York is one. Toronto is two. I'm such a fan of Toronto. And then three, A, is going to be Los Angeles. And three, B, is going to be Miami because, well, it's Miami.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. What was the place that you went to tonight for dinner? The
1: only one that was still open. <laughs> So Fair I'm actually not staying in Miami or Miami beach, the two places where I usually do when the Cavs play against the heat, because here's the thing, Ethan, usually when the schedule comes up, August, early September, the first thing that I do is I start booking hotels because I know that the rates are going to be wild and crazy. The closer we get to the actual date. So I reserve a full day slash night to start doing my booking for a lot of these games, usually the entire season, unless there are some rates that I think are just really, really funky, and they're not worth capitalizing on. So because of the in-season tournament and the uncertainty of where the Cavs were going to be, who they were going to play, this Miami game was an addition to the schedule. It was one of two regular season games that were added to bring the total to 82. And so Trying to get into a nice Miami hotel in Brickell or a nice Miami hotel in Miami Beach or downtown Miami near the arena about five days in advance, it usually doesn't go all that well. And then on top of that, Ethan, right now in Miami is the largest art expo in the United States. So a lot of hotel rates are jacked up. A lot of hotels are sold out and I'm staying in Coral Gables for the first time ever, which is a really, really interesting spot. And I just kind of like walked around a little bit to find somewhere to eat dinner. And now I'm very interested in exploring this area of Miami a little bit more tomorrow afternoon following the cab shoot around. But the problem is like also when you're booking flights, you try and do those in advance too to get like really, really good rates. And as you notice... Like me landing in Miami around 9 p.m. at night usually isn't what I would do, but based on all of the prices... It was the one that made the most sense. Plus, I wanted to spend more time with my family because this is such a long trip. So it's not ideal to get to this city as late as I did tonight. And a lot of the restaurants apparently closed their kitchen at 10 o'clock because I walked into three different ones and they all told me that they weren't sitting anybody anymore and that their kitchen was closed. So I just strolled into like a little ramen bar on the corner of one of the streets near my hotel here in Coral Gables. And I got a little bit of Chinese food, and it was pretty good, actually.
0: Hey, ramen's one of my favorite foods. I would have been good with yeah, that. Yeah, you would have liked job. this place. And I wanted to ask, because it was such quick turnarounds, does the trips being in both Florida, I mean, Miami, Orlando, make this trip worth it? Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, anytime you get an opportunity to visit Miami in December and escape everything that Cleveland offers you in December, you're going to take it. It's so funny because, you know, when the Cavs learned that they weren't going to Las Vegas and they weren't advancing to the knockout round of the in-season tournament, the response from some of the guys were, well, we're not going to Vegas, but we're headed to Miami because like word got around that that was one of the places that was probably going to be added to their schedule because they were only previously scheduled to visit Miami once, and this brings the total to two, like most years. So the players were like, hey, Miami in December, we'll take that if we're not going to Vegas. I'll never complain about a December trip to Miami, Ethan. No matter where I'm staying, no matter what's going on in the city, no matter the terrible flight that I took, no matter the terrible airline that I took and the uncomfortable seats that I had to sit in. You're not going to hear me complain about being in Miami in December. And then we go straight to Orlando for three days, actually. And I already had a resort booked because we knew that we were scheduled to go to Orlando. And I always book Orlando very, very quickly because a lot of the resorts that you would want to stay at, those go quick, especially in certain times of year because people want to escape, they want a vacation, whatever the case may be. So I was able to call my Marriott service because I have such high status with them and say, hey, look, like my schedule kind of got changed around a little bit. Can I extend the stay from two nights to three nights without any penalty or anything along those lines? And they worked with me, so I'm more looking forward to getting into Orlando because I have a sweet suite booked at one of the resorts near SeaWorld, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be there.
0: We're going to get into the family aspect of this later into the podcast, but was it even a thought to bringing Little Man and your wife down to Orlando Because you guys are going to be down there for three days.
1: Yeah, always. We have those conversations. We look at schedules and stuff like that because, you know, I've taken my wife with me on the road a couple of different times before Elliot even arrived. And she was so particular about which places she wanted to visit because obviously she wanted to visit some of the better ones, Chicago, New York, Toronto, some of those. But she also wanted to make it worth it if she was going to take off work and if she was going to travel with me. She didn't want it to be such a quick turnaround. Usually with these road games that the Cavs play, it's like two nights in a city and then you're out. And the first night is basically a travel day and you get in either in the afternoon or the evening. And the only thing you really do is get some dinner and maybe go to a bar or go to some kind of sporting event if it's coinciding with it. So you have like that night to do some stuff in the city. But like the following day, it's shoot around in the morning, lunch in the afternoon, pregame nap, game, come back to the hotel, right? And then you're out, right? So she usually wanted to look into the kinds of situations where it was an extended stay in a city. And she did look at this one, the possibility of this one, but it was so close to Christmas. She had already taken off a lot of days for work and stuff like that. So it just didn't make a whole ton of sense for us to do this one. But, you know, when there are these kinds of multi-day stays and baseball series setups and stuff like that, we do think about the possibility and whether it can work based on her work schedule and based on like other things that are going on in life. She came to Orlando with me once before, like that was one of the places where she did come because, you know, I had a nice resort booked, we were going to be there for a couple of days, I had a rental car, so we were able to get around and stuff like that. And she had a really, really good time.
0: That's always good to hear. I wanted to circle back to this about the restaurant portion of it, because you mentioned that a couple of times.
1: If anybody knows anything about me, like I am an eater, that is one of my favorite things to do on the road.
0: I love it. So what is your favorite food? steak. I thought you were gonna say pizza based on how much you rave about New York pizza. Yeah, you know,
1: I love pizza. It's definitely in the top five for me of things to eat. But I've got a lot of Irish in my blood. And I am a meat and potatoes guy at my core. So if I have an opportunity based on the budget that we have with our company to get to a (laughs) restaurant where I can afford steak and potatoes or something like that, I will do that. But on the budget that we have, it's usually me ending up at a pizza joint or an italian restaurant or like a really really good burger place
0: all right we talked a little bit about the cities and the attractions that may draw you to wanting to circle those places before we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the industry some advice that you might have got and just the live life balance of working and having a family while working on the beat but before then Remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and myself by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up, stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast, it's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Chris, I want to start here. Let's start with the industry for a second. What's the best advice you've gotten on the beat since working and covering the Cavs since 2014? You mean when it comes to covering the team or when it comes to... What's the best advice you've gotten, period? It could be life-related, it could be work-related, it could be beat-related, just in that time frame.
1: So I'll do one of each. When it comes to being on the road and being away from your family and stuff like that, the best advice that I got is to capitalize on it. And when you're in these different cities, do things that these cities are known for. Take advantage of an opportunity that not a lot of other people in this country get. You're able to see the country. You're able to visit different cities. Yes, there's work involved. You have a job to do. You've gotta get to shoot around. You gotta get to practice. You gotta get to games. But enjoy the city, explore the city, learn about the city and do fun things Because otherwise, you know, you're not taking advantage of a unique opportunity. So instead of sitting in your hotel room and watching Netflix or something like that, You know, go out to a bar, go out to a restaurant, walk around downtown or something along those lines. Because if you think about it, you are seeing the country on the company's dime. And there are obvious drawbacks to being away from your family, late nights, early mornings, living out of a suitcase, living in a hotel. So you have to mix in some fun and you have to be able to do unique things to offset some of the stuff that that makes you feel guilty. The other piece of advice that I've gotten just when it comes to covering a team is you report with your eyes. That is very, very important because like you are at these places, either it's the home arena, rocket mortgage, field house, or the road arena. So you are seeing things, you are getting access to things that other people don't see on TV. Other people don't understand when listening to the radio. So yes. Part of it is the game that's going on in front of you. And what happens in the game matters and what these players say after the game matters. But what you see is what separates you because that's why you're there. You're there to tell the story. You're there to paint the picture. You're there to bring people along with you as if they're sitting next to you inside that arena. It's not like you're writing from a library, right? So you have to find a way to make the excitement come across in the story, to make the energy come across in the story. Little things that you see throughout the course of the game. For example, Ethan, One of the big things that I picked up on in last night's game, and I don't know if it was on TV, maybe it was on TV, but it was just the moment at the end of the third quarter when George Niang hit a crucial three to put the Cavs up by 14 as opposed to 11. And Darius Garland jumped on his back and George Niang went over to the sidelines and all of his teammates were just like waiting for him to pump him up and celebrate that big moment for him probably the biggest moment that he has had on the court since joining the Cavs like you have to follow all that kind of stuff you have to watch all that kind of stuff you have to watch interactions between the players and the coach on the sidelines you know what I mean so it's not so much about the game itself and like runs throughout the game and what these guys say in the locker room like sometimes it is there's no doubt about it but You report with your eyes, first and foremost. And little things that you see that maybe other people can't see, that's going to be the separator between you and other people that aren't able to be at these places that you are fortunate enough to be at.
0: For sure. And Chris, you are one of the longer tenured beat reporters or reporters in general covering the Cavs. And it's shown because you get a lot of notoriety, a lot of people look for your work, a lot of people are really persistent in making sure that they come to you for the information on the Cavs, on the Cavaliers, and Cleveland society, community, all those things. How has that grown over the years, and how have you kind of adapted to getting more eyeballs on your stuff throughout the years?
1: Honestly, Ethan, I think me covering LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, four years of them going to the NBA Finals helped a lot. Because, I don't know how many people know this about me, but I did not start as a writer. I started as a radio person. I worked in sports talk radio right out of college for about 10 years. And my whole focus was producing shows, having my own talk show, being a co-host on other talk shows. It wasn't writing. It was talking into a microphone. It was interacting with callers. It was interacting with people on Twitter. It was interacting with people via text message and all that kind of stuff. I took a grand total of zero journalism classes in college. Zero. It was all broadcasting and mass communications for me. I was the play-by-play voice of Baldwin Wallace Athletics. I had my own sports talk show on the college radio station. I was a music DJ on the college radio station. And I took writing classes, but it was news writing. And that's very, very different. It was screenplay stuff. And that's very, very different. It was sports anchor updates like you hear on the radio. And that is very, very different. So I had no clue what I was doing when Cleveland.com hired me to be a writer to cover the Cavs. And... I tried to learn as much as I could quickly. I tried to take different styles from different people that I liked to read and I was able to interact with. And like, there was a lot of pressure because you're covering LeBron James because you're covering one of the best teams in the entire NBA. And the Cavs were a national story for those four years. It wasn't just people in Cleveland or Ohio reading your stuff. It was from everywhere. And there was a ton of pressure on a dude who like didn't know how to write, didn't know how to form a lead, didn't know how to create a feature or anything along those lines. And it's just like, because of that role that I was thrust in and the responsibility that I felt covering that team, like I worked my ass off. I wrote every day, multiple times a day. I corrected myself. I sent stuff to people that I trusted to have them look over my stuff. We had editors at Cleveland.com who worked side by side with me to try and make my stuff really, really good. But I remember like, one of the first things that I sent to this editor, and I thought it was a good story that I did. It came back with so many red marks on it of things that were circled, notes attached, and I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Is it really this bad that this whole thing is all red? It was terrifying. I didn't have a lot of confidence going into it because like, I wasn't Lee Jenkins, I wasn't Joe Varden, I wasn't Adrian Wojnowski. I'm looking at all these other people that are suddenly my peers and all of the training that they had all of the experience that they had, all of the writing classes that they probably took that I didn't take. And I was like, how am I ever going to be like them? Like, how am I ever going to be as good as them? How are people ever going to respect me anything close to the way that they respect those other people? I was nervous about it. I wasn't very confident. I had a bit of an inferiority complex. I didn't think I belonged. There was a lot of that going through my head. But again, Being in that environment pushed me in a way that, you know, if I would have been covering a rebuilding Cavs team where there wasn't as much pressure, where there weren't any or as many eyeballs on some of my stuff, I don't know that I would have drove myself the same way that I did by covering that caliber team.
0: And you mentioned covering LeBron in the finals and four straight years of that. Do you have a favorite experience since covering the team or do the moments kind of just blur together over the years?
1: My favorite moments, easily the parade, game seven, like it all kind of ties together, right? That was historic. That was once in a lifetime. That was something that this city had waited for for five decades. And just the feeling during that championship run, the feeling on parade day, the scenes from that day, the moments throughout the course of game seven, like those things are always going to stick with me.
0: And I want to kind of switch gears after that, because that was a good moment. I want to go and let the fans know if they didn't know already. Chris has got a whole family. y'all. <laughs> Chris has got a wife. Chris has got a little son that just turned two years old the other day. How has time flown by for you while being on the road for games and stuff like that, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so fast. You know, Ethan, I don't know what day it is half the time. (laughs) I've gone to the wrong hotel room multiple times because I still think I'm in the previous city with the previous hotel room number. And it's just really, really weird. And I don't understand why my key card's not working. And then I go downstairs to the front office and I'm like, hey, I can't get in my room. And they're like, hey, what room are you in? And I tell them the wrong number and I look like a complete ass. So, you know, It's wild. It's such a hard thing to explain to people that don't live it. And it's so weird because like the people that understand it the most, at least close enough to the level are either my peers, other writers across the NBA or the players, right? I see the Cavs players, the Cavs coaches and the Cavs executives more during the season than I see my family. And that's weird because like we become a family on the road. It's just a different thing. It's one thing to cover home games and be at home practices and home shootarounds. But when these guys see you on the road where they don't see the rest of the media members, it just becomes like more tight knit in a way. So the days are very, very quick. It's very routine oriented. It's very regimented. And it, it feels like sometimes, Ethan... You're just like a zombie and you just do it. I always tell my wife, I can't allow myself to think about how much I miss her and how much I miss my son because it will kill me. And there will be so much guilt that I feel. And I just won't enjoy life on the road the way that I think I need to doing this kind of job. Like I cannot resent the fact that I'm away from my family. I cannot lament the fact that I have to pack up a suitcase and get to the airport the day after a game, after I write until three in the morning and the alarm clock goes off at like 630. Like that's just life. That's just reality. And I can't think about at times how much those things can suck and be difficult because it'll just like kill me being away. So I just kind of like do it. It's weird. I just don't think about a lot of the other stuff and I just try and get myself as if I'm a basketball player locked into a scouting report, locked into a game plan where I'm just locked in as much as I possibly can on the job. Because if my mind starts to wander on some of those other things, it's just going to make it that much harder for me when I'm sitting here in a hotel room like I am right now in Coral Gables all by myself. (laughs) Or when I'm like calling up these restaurants and I say, reservation for one, please. (laughs) Like, yeah, there are times where I'll go out with other people that I know in cities or some of the other writers on the beat or other people that I have relationships with. But a lot of times it's just me.
0: So obviously those are some of the challenges that you deal with on the road as a beat reporter, being a father and a husband. Are there any rewards of doing those roles and being a father and a husband while working as a beat reporter? Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, this is a relatively stable job. This job allows me to provide for my family. I have people that I get to come home to that get to share my love of basketball and my love of my job. Like, I love what I do. I love it. I love writing about the Cavs. I love watching basketball. I love sports. I get to do something I love on a daily basis. And I think that makes me a more complete person. And I think that makes me more whole. And I think that allows me to feel fulfilled in a way that I can share that with my family, that happiness and joy and stuff like that. The other thing is obvious, Ethan, are you kidding me? I get all these hotel points. Ha <laughs> ha I get all of these flight miles, like my wife and I have been able to go to Mexico on vacation for free and stay in a Marriott for free with all my hotel points and all the flight miles cover all of that kind of stuff. So there are absolutely perks to this sort of thing when it comes to staying in these hotels and doing all this, this flying. We've gone to New York for free. So like every time it can be hard on all of us with me being away for so long, I just say, hey, when we're in San Francisco for a week or something along those lines, and the only thing that we have to pay for is our meals, because the hotel is completely covered and the airfare is completely covered, you know, you're not going to be as upset about it. You're not going to be complaining as much. I think everybody would tell you the same thing, Ethan. These hotel points are yeah. wonderful. I've got like 900,000 of them. I could go to Hawaii for two weeks for free if I wanted
0: to. That's good to hear. Somebody who 1st year on the B and I got the Dallas and Chicago trips later in the month to go handle. So I got to start getting those ramped up now. Get those points going. Oh
1: my God. Are you kidding me? Like I've got the highest status that you can get with Marriott. It's called ambassador elite or something along those lines. That just sounds fancy. I have my own quote unquote Butler dedicated to me.
0: Nah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A person that reaches out to me before I visit these places to ask what I need, what they can help me with. I can tell them when I'm arriving. I get room upgrades and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's sweet. All right. Last question of the podcast, and I'm going to let it be up to you. I want to know if you want one last thing to tell the fans, one last thing you want to say about your fam. One last thing that you have that you think that the people who listen to this podcast and are interested in the calves or your life would want to hear.
1: I don't know that there is. I mean, I get so many questions, Ethan, about my favorite meal on the road, my favorite restaurant on the road. People want me to send pictures of my meal and stuff like that. It seems like people are really, really interested in these places where I visit. On the, road. the other thing that I would tell them that I am very much a guy who likes to walk around college campuses. It's so much fun to see different college campuses. Because, you know, I was born and raised in the Cleveland area. And I only went to Baldwin Wallace for college, a small division three school. It's not like I went to Ohio State or Georgia or Florida. I didn't have, I guess, the full college experience the way that some other people did. So when I have an opportunity to walk around like beautiful UCLA or beautiful USC or go to like Butler in their bookstore and stuff, I am notorious, Ethan, my wife hates this about me, but I am notorious for buying gear from every city that I visit. For example, when I went to Toronto last year, I bought a Toronto Maple Leafs hoodie. Am I like the biggest Toronto Maple Leafs fan in the world? The biggest hockey fan in the world? No, but it's like it's something that I can take from this experience that I have and remember it. You know what I mean? When I went to Boston a couple of years ago, I took a train to Harvard and I walked around the Harvard campus and I went into the Harvard bookstore and I bought a Harvard hoodie. And I remember going to practice about a week, two weeks after that, and I'm wearing a Harvard hoodie. And Kevin Love looks at me and he's like, did you go to Harvard? And I said, I think you've been around me long enough to know that answer is no, I did not. And then he wanted to know, why did you buy a Harvard hoodie? And I was like, you know, when I visit these places, I like to take pieces back with me. I usually buy gear, like I bought a long sleeve t-shirt from the UCLA bookstore when the Cavs practiced at UCLA. Just things that you can have basically for the rest of your life to remember this fond experience, this great time in your life of seeing the country in a different kind of way.
0: All right, and that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting some insight into the life of a beat reporter with Chris Fedor. But remember, you can always become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and myself on a daily basis by subscribing to Subtext. Chris always posts exactly where he's going to eat, what he had on the road trips. So stay tuned for that and subscribe to Subtext to get that information. To do so, sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash calves and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up, stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the calves from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast, it's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.